What's going on, Trophy Kids? We've got an awesome one here for you. We are back for the college football show. We've taken a little bit of a hiatus, but we're going right back into it, recapping some of the big news in college football. I released my top 10, one team that has impressed me more than ever. We're going to talk about it. It's a big one. They're in the Big Ten. And then we're giving out some bets, breaking down the biggest games. It's going to be a good one. Let's go. And welcome to Trophy Kids, presented by Bad News Media. It is is October 21st, and we are back from a small hiatus on the College Football Podcast. We've got Dante back here with us today. How are we doing today, good sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm sorry, guys. I had a conference last week. Uh, yeah, just some personal stuff, but I'm back. The viewers missed you because in that stretch of time, I had continued being the absolute worst gambler alive in college football, still doing very good in the NFL. But you have been able to check my biases in my like, whoa, let's rain Nate in. And so the listeners have probably missed that and going up. Oh, Nate's getting a little off the reservation here and getting a little wild with some of these picks that he's out throwing out. I am mad that we didn't. And I had the conference. I'm mad that we did not get to debate that Alabama, Tennessee. Oh, I would have been good. I know would, it would have been great for us I, to debate that. I was too chicken to give it out uh, publicly, but I did take Tennessee privately and then I live bet them in that game. So that paid out well. I do apologize to the fans, but I just, I wasn't confident enough in the bet. And so I didn't give it out. I'm trying to be better this year of just throwing out ones that I, I have. I feel like I have an edge in, which has not worked out well in college. It's worked out great in the NFL. College has been an absolute nightmare. Um, we're hoping to turn it around this week. But that game, talk about, I mean, Talk about arguably one of the best games we've probably seen in the last couple of years. I mean, that game was electric from start to finish. You really think like that was a good game to watch? I thought it was very sloppy. Oh, it was incredibly sloppy. But the atmosphere, the fact that Tennessee was like giving Alabama a fight after they hadn't beaten them since like 2009, um, yeah. like all of that stuff was just absolutely fantastic, I thought. For, so obviously I was flipping back and forth, right? Because the Michigan State game was on at the same time. I um, I just remember watching the, every time I watched it, it felt like both defenses were just out there in their jerseys and not stopping. A hundred percent. And that was something we had talked about earlier in the season as far as Alabama, because we have been on the kind of hold your horses with Alabama. They are not as good as we think they are, as people think they are. This is not the same Alabama team. Their secondary makes communication mistakes all the time. They struggle to get a pass rush consistently. And that's what I thought was going to allow Tennessee to really be in that game. Um, and then on the opposite side, Tennessee's secondary is non-existent. They have a good yeah, rush defense. <laughs> They're good up front, but that secondary does not exist whatsoever. It is it's tissue paper. A hundred percent. And it's it's the Hendon Hooker show that keeps them alive. And number 11, who had, what, like five touchdowns, which was just blazing people left and right, which was awesome, too, as well. Yeah. Um, I'm also, yeah. I don't, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying Tennessee's wide receiver, um, Hyatt, right? He yep. is lights out. Yep. Just throw the ball up there. Yeah, no 100%. <laughs> and it's, I don't know where you fall on this. The people who are angry at Tennessee for storming the, the field are like, well, they're a top 10 team. You are just angry in life. Like, there is no yeah. reason not to view that. They have been beaten down by their longtime rival for so long. That energy release, that environment was so much fun. And, like, yeah. If, if you're consistently good, like if Alabama stormed the field, I'd be like, all right, that's a little lame at this point because you guys are just like yeah, the no, juggernaut. Alabama shouldn't, but no. Tennessee Ohio has been a... State shouldn't. Yes. 
But even though Tennessee's in the top ten, it's the it's the the context behind just not having won against Alabama since like two thousand nine, getting beaten down, not being one of the winningest programs in college football, but haven't been relevant in an extremely long time. Like that release that night, yeah, they shouldn't be storming the field every time, but that was just an awesome experience. So everybody that was online complaining about that are just angry people. <laughs> Let me tell you, Michigan State could be ranked one. Alabama could come to East Lansing. And we could be it could be a bad Alabama team. If we beat them, they will storm the field. Absolutely. And yeah. what a crazy game. Speaking of Michigan State, Michigan State, Wisconsin. A lot to talk about there because Woo. we've been off, but whew, we have a lot to talk about in that one. Man, let me tell you, I, I was on the edge of my seat, both in a good way and a bad way at the same time. Let me let me let me say this. Reed is a god. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very much so. I, first of all, if you don't like Big Ten football, stop listening because, and don't watch football because that was a quintessential Big Ten football game. Yep. It's, it didn't get going till late. Neither quarterback looked great. And what happened? The first person to get, the, the first team to make two consistent mistakes and the first team to get consistent running was the team that won. Now, I know what you're going to say. Wisconsin had consistent running all night. Sure, but they never scored on that running. And that is the they they leaned on their quarterback to get uh to get them points when they needed it. And we've seen Michigan State play this bend but don't break offense. I mean defense at in the red zone all year. Mm-hmm. And it seems like what they're gonna do. And I don't understand if you have a stud running back like Wisconsin does and you're 10 yards away from the red zone, run the ball in, stop passing. Yep. Stop. I, I don't understand that one. Uh, it was not the best of looks for my Jim Leonard stakes, but we have been 100% right on this podcast. I stand firm with my take on it. We said it before this season even started that Paul Chris, they should let him go. They should let Jim and Leonard take over, see what they have at that because he's been an elite coordinator. He's a young guy. He can be there forever. And honestly, he is the reason Paul Chris even stood around for as long as he did because Paul Chris should have been fired long ago. But Jim Leonard had done such a good job with that defense. It it kept Wisconsin more relevant than they should have been. And I am very excited about Jim Leonard's chance to win a head coaching job at Wisconsin because I do think he is the future for that program. Yeah, you said it super early on, like you said, before even we kicked off this college football season. Paul Chris should have listened to our podcast. I told him he could have bowed out in the middle of the season. Yes, you did. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah, because now this looks really bad on your legacy that you had to be fired, right? When Paul Chris has a had a great legacy at Wisconsin, right? Yeah, hundred percent. A few. Big Ten titles, um, some other accolades in there. I'm sure I'm not a, I'm not a Badger, but he he wasn't he's not a slappy of a coach, right? No. The game passed him by though, just like it did to Antonio, and it's going to happen to every coach. And I'm pretty sure that was the example you used. He's like he needs to step yeah. down like Antonio and give it over to a competent coordinator who's going to help hopefully bring this offense. Now, like I said, they didn't look great in that Michigan State game, but. First game, Graham Mertz already looked a little bit more bet, looked better and more confident. I'll be interested to see what they do. I do think Jim Leonard is the future. I hope they hire him. They I relied think, on him too much. Yes, is what they did. Yep. Yeah, they he got, did look better. Graham, Graham, he looked better, but he also looked better against Michigan State, which we know does not have a great pass defense. But 
<laughs> Paul Chris had, I mean, that offense was absolutely atrocious before. Yeah, um, to put up 28 points when you put up 10 the week before is a huge improvement. Yep, I agree. Um, another huge, I am giving a round of applause. I am falling on my sword. Michigan. Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. My God. So I want to clear the air on on one thing major that I've been seeing. It it hasn't necessarily been directed at us, but it's been a theme within a lot of sports media, like the the told you so Michigan crowd Mm -hmm. about the schedule. We were not, I was not saying Michigan was bad because they played a bad schedule. What I was saying is I have legitimate concerns about how good they could be compared to what the market was deeming them as, and we weren't able to really get a good test for them. The first test came against Maryland. And what did we say on this podcast? We said, I don't have huge concerns about the offense, but I have concerns about the defense. Primarily, can the defensive line produce a lot of pressure? Can the secondary tighten and button some things up? And as long as they can do that and improve week over week, they will be good. And my God, have they improved week over week. That The pressure they can generate on known passing downs is fantastic. The secondary has started to get better in butting it up. The offense, the offensive line has gotten better and better week over week against tougher competition. This was the first time they played a real defense, and my God, did they beat them up in the trenches. The vision of the running backs in both Quorum and Edwards has been fantastic and able to find the cutback lanes that the offensive line was able to produce. I am doing all this because I am now very, very excited for the matchup we are heading towards with Michigan-Ohio State. Now, Michigan still has things they need to button up because I tweeted not that long ago that Ohio State, the only person that's going to beat Ohio State is Ohio State. I no longer believe that. Michigan is a very viable team to beat and compete with them. But J.J. needs to still clean some things up. He's got to clean. And and it was talked about all last week, too. Got to clean up his mechanics a little bit. The wide receivers, I want to see them. Throwing across his body. I want to see the wide receivers work on a little bit more route running and getting separation. But these are all all fine-tuning things at this point. Michigan, at this point in time, is ready to play that game. This is a damn good football team. One of the better teams in college football. They have a little bit more fine-tuning to compete with Ohio State. But I am now, we are now heading to an absolute juggernaut of a game towards the end of the season. Round of applause is due to Michigan because they have improved week over week and they are a damn good football team. Yeah, I hate to admit that Michigan is good. I think you have two stellar backs with Edwards and Stellar. And that takes a lot of pressure off your quarterback. Yep. And allows him to... um, work the game and develop his game the way they thought he would. Again, it's a blessing in disguise that you have another injury over there. Also, I think you should expect somebody to transfer. Uh, (laughs) uh, But um, the other thing that I think that we have to talk about when we're talking about this Ohio State-Michigan eventual matchup is that same argument that we were using at the beginning of the year for Michigan – now kind of goes against Ohio State. Who have you played, OSU? Oh, 100%. Now, I have a little bit more faith in OSU because they have kept up their elite offensive status with so many injuries. I mean, they've been without their primary wide receivers since the Notre Dame game, and they haven't missed a beat. So that's why I'm a little less on um, Ohio State, but I, I don't disagree. Uh, but this is where I'm like, we're heading towards a big-time and game. The, the worst and, part about it, and this is no fault of Ohio State, right? You play Iowa. 
Penn State, which Michigan just trounced, mm-hmm. Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, and then Michigan. You don't have a test in there. No. Your first real test is Michigan. You were hoping Notre Dame was going to be that test. You were hoping they yep. were going to be a really good football team when they came into it. Same with Penn State, but as we've been saying forever and f- you know what? If you believe Fool in me. Penn, the only people who believe in Penn State are people who live in Happy Valley. Correct. And I've been the biggest proponent, and I've said it years ago, that there is a silent, deadly gas in that building named James Franklin, and he is killing that program. Um, he is terrible. But I even bought into them on the spread. I didn't think they were going to beat Michigan necessarily. I thought it was going to be a closer game than it was because I did have faith in that defense. And my God, did Michigan make them look like little kids out there. That offensive line for Michigan, too, is getting better and better week after week. They're able to do more and more advanced run blocking schemes. It, it, it's really impressive. Um like I said, fine-tuning. J.J. needs to continue to get better. I have no doubt that he will, though, because it's still very early in his career. He's going to get more reps. It, it's a fine-tuning process now. But I, that pass rush, too, I mean, the last two weeks, they have come on in a way. It, it's like yeah, the light. Defense. It's like they switched the light, and all of a sudden, this team that was replacing a ton of great talent and guys is now not missing a beat. They are firing at all cylinders. Secondary Let still needs me. to improve, but it it's really good right now. The product is really good at Michigan. Let me say this for my teams who want to compete in the Big Ten. Two years ago, we talked about Mr. Jim Harbaugh and how he had too much control over the technical aspects of his team and some of the coordination. Then he flirted with the NFL. You know, Michigan didn't have a great year, but they didn't have a bad year either. And then last year, they went to the um, playoffs. Now, something happened. Michigan went and paid top dollar for some coordinators. Right? Yep. Michigan State, Iowa, Wisconsin. If you are listening to this, please spend money on some coordinators if you want to compete. Or Ohio State and Michigan will pass surpass everyone and it won't be close. Yep. And Michigan will be back to the big two, little 12. And Michigan did the right thing, too. And John Harbaugh deserves or Harbaugh deserves credit because he went to his older brother in the NFL and he Mm -hmm. took some he took he got his coordinators from that system and applied it Mm -hmm. to the talent that he had at college. And it has done wonders for this Michigan team in being able to compete with the Ohio States and the premier teams in this conference. And they don't get bullied up front anymore. They don't get pushed over. The mentality switch is there. We're not hearing about like the Viper position or the Cobra position or whatever the fuck that was. Oh my I'm God. so glad that's going. Oh, yeah. Who's that, Jim Brown? What was that dude's uh, name? What, what, <laughs> whatever his with, his, with the stash. I can't think of his name. I can yeah. see his face. Oh. Um, but yeah, that's what they did. And it's been great. Um, I think it's good. It's a good time at this point in the season to release my top ten, and I, I would like you to see okay. where you you plug some. Holes. Before we before we oh, go, go to your top ten, I, there's a game that I have to be like, and I'm probably going to be long, wrong, but I have to be like, okay, this is Dante's pick. This uh, UCLA versus Oregon. Oh, we're going to talk about. Every, okay, we're going to talk about it. Cool. Yes. Okay. We're going to talk about it. Don't you worry. Okay. That <laughs> Pac-12 Nate's coming out in this in this okay. one. And we're talking. We're <laughs> talking Pac-12. Talk okay. Yeah, we're gonna talk right. about I'll it. I'll let you get to your. It's gonna be the last game we talk about. We're ending for those Good. fans. If you don't skip, listen to all the don't content. Skip. But it will be the yes. last game we cover. Okay, um, excellent. All right, my top ten differs a little bit. I think based off what you heard with my Michigan, you're gonna know they're high. I got Ohio State one. I still think they're the best team in the country. Jim Knowles as that defensive coordinator brings some fight, but they are beatable. 
Georgia, right. number two in the country. I think Georgia's biggest problem right now, you're dealing with young college kids. I think there's a real problem of they just know they're better than everybody they're playing, and they're struggling to get up for games. Not a great thing, but I, I'm not too worried. Like That Missouri game, I think, was we're going to beat the brakes off them. We're going to win this game. They didn't really come in mentally prepared and sharp. Suffering from success. Yes. Yeah. Number three, Michigan University. I have them as the number three team in the country right People now. People are going to kill you in the comments for calling them Michigan University. Michigan University. That's what we're calling them. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> the University of Michigan. I had nothing to do with that, Wolverines. Yeah. Um, number four, Tennessee. Number okay. five, Bama. Number six, Clemson. Number seven, Old Miss, even though I think they could lose this week. Number eight, UCLA. Number nine, TCU, who I also think could lose this week. And number 10 to round it out, Oregon. That is my top 10 at this moment in time right now. Actually, the only one I'm going to be critical of is the Bama-Tennessee. So you're 5-6, right? Uh, 4-5. I have Tennessee 4, Bama 5, Clemson 6. I don't. I still don't believe in Clemson. But I don't either. But I just I couldn't put Ole Miss over them yet, and I couldn't yeah. put UCLA over them. It, Ole Miss plays in a better conference. Yeah it, it, yeah, it it was one of those things where like Clemson Clemson's coming on a little bit more of the offense, mm-hmm. but it's still it. Yeah, they're just not a top five team. They're just not. Here's my problem with Tennessee, Bama, and Georgia. Tennessee loses to Georgia, and Georgia loses to Alabama. Then we're going to be having a conversation where they're asking for three SEC teams in the playoffs, and I don't want that conversation. Yeah, no. So now you got me rooting for Tennessee to be undefeated, right? Because then you keep Bama out. Them or Georgia, because Georgia's on the other side. So they're both on the other side. So whoever wins that, we just got to hope that whoever wins that Georgia-Tennessee game coming up, in a couple weeks or next week? Is that next week? Is it next week? I think it's Hold next on. week. Whoever wins that game needs to go undefeated and win the SEC championship because yes. we can't have Bama win the SEC championship and have a one-loss it's Georgia team. What we can't have is we can't have Georgia beat Tennessee, go to the national or the SEC championship game, lose to Bama because then you yes, have Tennessee and Bama argument. Yep. Can't have it. We cannot have that. We Please, SEC, <laughs> no. please don't do that to us. We cannot do that because... Then we'll we're gonna be sitting here and it'll be Ohio State or Michigan, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia. Yeah. This is why yeah. we need the sixteen playoff. Or eight. I don't love I, the twelve is a disaster. There aren't twelve good enough teams to really compete. I don't like the twelve. Twelve just doesn't it doesn't sixteen, I still and I know no one agrees with me. Sixteen is too many games to play. hundred percent. I agree. No, I'm with you. Way too many, yeah, it's way too many games to play. But I would rather have twelve doesn't make sense. Though. Twelve doesn't make sense. Eight is even stretching it, but I I don't hate eight. I'm like okay, yeah, no, I'm I'm cool with eight. Yeah, because you do five power five, all five power fives, three at bids. You get one extra yeah. SEC team, maybe an at large non power five, and somebody else. Yep. Six, I think, is also, good. All five in the eight, at bid, but yeah, I I like eight because then if you got your UCFs or like some other team that's just undefeated. You can put them in, and if they get trounced by a team that has one loss, then I don't have to hear their mouth exactly. anymore. Right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. It, like Expanding the playoffs makes sense, but going to like 12, it, it, there's just not, in college football, there aren't 12 good teams that can compete. No. Like, there just isn't. 12, 12 leads to more Cinderella stories, though. It does, but I don't even know we're going to get that. I mean, I'd have to see how the matchups work because it's so matchup-based, but 
in most, I think every once in a while, yes, we're going to get a, a cool Cinderella. Because I think back to those like Boise teams, the UC, yeah. the UC team last year, had it been a 8-12 playoff, they wouldn't have been, had to probably match up against Alabama. They probably would have played, you know, a lesser team somewhere in the middle, like a five seed or something. And they probably would have won that game because they held up well. I mean, it was just the line plays where they got beat up. But, and they, they could have been more in that game. Not that they would have won that game, but they made some mistakes that, you know, it sucked that they right. made them, but they were better in that game than I, I, I like or I thought. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you. But that's my top ten right now, and I do think there are some upsets coming this week. But I, I do have Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan are a firm top three. I think right now you could yeah, put them in any order, that. but that's my top three solidified teams, the 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 three best teams right now. When I look at teams and their ability to beat them, because um, without Bryce Young, Bama is a stinker. Uh, absolute. He is propping up that team. That is a rotten foundation this year that is being propped up by the pretty out. Like it's a house that has a crumbling infrastructure, but the outside yep. looks great because Bryce Young is the flat. Like he's just propping him up, and he's making he again. It's unsustainable, right? Correct. But also, what damage are you doing to Bryce Young's like future NFL career? Yeah, we'll by see. forcing him to prop up Alabama like that. I mean, it's like, definitely helping I, I him, wrong. but his injuries are there. a problem. Yeah, his injury, exactly. That's what I mean. I'm that offense line like is long, not holding up well. That More like longevity. Of yes, his career, yeah, right? yeah, I agree, I agree. No, 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 not like his drafts, drafts, draft stock or anything. I was wrong about Derrick Henry, but maybe I wasn't. I thought them putting everything on his back would deteriorate his career in the NFL, but it has lasted a lot longer than I thought it would. Yeah, and then we'll see with that foot injury this year. It has come. It's something we talked about religiously on the NFL podcast. That, and if you're not listening, check out the NFL podcast. We're absolutely killing it betting wise there. But um, it is something. His injury this past season has certainly affected him. But yeah, no, I'm with you because um, that offensive line for Bama isn't what it, it usually is. The wide receiver room, which we've talked at length about on this podcast, isn't what it, it's been. The secondary isn't what it's been. The pass rushing has been the biggest surprise for Alabama because with the guys they have, especially like the Will Andersons, I expect. Yeah. More and it's been very inconsistent. Um, and Saban's been on them. I, I we're going to talk about Old Miss here in Alabama. We'll get into it a little bit there, but uh, I do fear because this week is going to be they're going to let out a lot of demons. I think. But you want to move into some games here? You got anything else before we uh, we head into a couple of these these games this week? No, but I, I last week I did watch Boston College get absolutely <laughs> oh trashed. I just thought about it. I was like, why does why does Nate watch these East Coast teams like this? I got to. I'm addicted to it. And that's where we're starting. We're starting on a team that if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, this team has won you a lot of money because when I go to the well with them, I have been right way more than I've been wrong. And that is Syracuse Orange going against Clemson in Clemson Death Valley. Line is 13 and a half over under is 49 and a half. I have not gone to the well yet with Syracuse this year, unfortunately. I should have. I haven't. I don't know if I'm going to go to the well with them on this game because this is this poses some problems. But when you look at this game, what are some thoughts you have about it or, or how you, you're you viewing, I guess even more importantly, this Clemson team overall? That Syracuse is ranked yeah. and undefeated. That's how I view this game. Like, what is this? King of the this, North. <laughs> yeah. This college football season is like a little – like the top is okay, but then when you get past like four or five, it is – Pandemonium. Yep. Yeah. Um, if I'm a Syracuse fan, 
I am sitting at home and saying, I have a chance. If Clemson makes too many mistakes, I have a chance to make this game close. With that said, I think if Clemson comes out hot early, this is that that's it for um, Syracuse's uh, uh, dreams there. I, I, when I look at this game, I, I'm saying don't count Syracuse out. Don't be surprised if it's a little closer than 13 and a half. Yeah, I think there are some interesting matchups, and there is a way for Syracuse to keep this close. Now, I'm not betting this number, but Syracuse, I mean, Sean Parker's been fantastic, the running back at Syracuse. He has allowed this game to evolve. The offensive line is getting some push. Now, this, this you is say a team. Parker, Tucker. Tucker, sorry. Sorry. I didn't say Parker. Um, Sean Parker. <laughs> no, Sean Tucker. <laughs> the offensive line's getting good push. Uh, which has been good. Syracuse is tough to evaluate because they haven't really played anybody this season. No. The NC State game was going to be a real test, but then you get Leary gets is knocked out with an injury, so you don't don't really get they the test you against wanted. Virginia. Yeah, it, it's been rough, but they do have some matchups that are favorable. I really like the Syracuse secondary. Clemson offensively has gotten going a little bit, but it's still not to the level that. You know, most would have thought it should be. DJ is he's he's progressed well. He's lost some weight. They're using his legs more, which has opened up that Clemson offense. But that's really been tough. And I, and the biggest surprise I think for Clemson this year is a, is a unit that I was extremely high on. I was considering them the premier unit in college football, and that's that defensive line. They were deep. They're talented. But my God, have they been getting pushed around? I have been utterly unimpressed with this defensive line. So if this defensive line cannot step up. Syracuse has the ability to control this game with their run game, control the clock. We know that that Clemson secondary is very shoddy. I don't think Syracuse has kind of the ability to really push that secondary, but they certainly have the ability to make a play if called upon. And so that's where I think Syracuse has to be able to run the ball effectively to keep within this number. But this is a game that could get away from them very quickly. It's just I, I think if people aren't familiar with this Syracuse team, they are good, but we don't quite know what they are yet. But they have to be able to run the ball efficiently because they their quarter you can't put it on their quarterback shoulder. He's just not good enough. I've watched I've gone back and watched now three of their games, and he just has been utterly unimpressive unless the run game can get going and they can play off that. Now they also need yeah. to use his legs, continue to use his legs, because he is a mobile quarterback. Clemson has struggled with that. Um so there is opportunity. Yeah, you can here. Spread Clemson out early. Yes. Right? But will Syracuse be able to do that? Because Clemson, oh, I sound like one of these uh, announcers. Clemson does like to bunch you up. 100%. Right? That's what yep. their defense is trying to do. They want to play in the box. Mm-hmm. They want to play in the sandbox, and they don't want to play nice. <laughs> Even though no. they've been getting bullied in the trenches, uh, surprisingly so. So, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if, if Syracuse can keep this close. Uh, and by close, I mean within 14. Um, right. But this game could... St- We're not going crazy here, ladies. Yeah, I don't think they're winning yeah. this game. I, I don't think they have the horses. Even though they have been a team, and we bet them a couple years ago when they went down to Clemson and they did upset them, I just I just don't know if they have that. And the reason I'm cautious is because there hasn't been a really good evaluation. And you have to, and you have if you look at their season numbers, you're like, oh my God, this team's fantastic. You have to strip out the Wagner game. Yeah, Wagner is a terrible yeah. team. They absolutely beat them up. You have to strip out those numbers, and they look a little bit... They look like a little bit more of a normal team. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's completely possible they stick within the number, but this game has the ability to snowball quickly. Yeah, the other thing is I think we have to give credit to Syracuse's coach. They are, at times, especially when they panicked, especially in that Virginia game, 
you could tell that he talked to his team, got them to calm down. They're, they are well coached at times. I would argue a little bit, maybe even better well coached than um, Clemson is. Dude, Dino Babbers, I tweeted out years ago when they gave him the extension. It was the best extension they could have given him. I love that man. Once again, he's made me a ton of money over the years. Um, I think I've only lost twice betting them since we've been doing this for, what, now, like four years or whatever. Um, They've been one of my favorite teams um, to bet. I just haven't gone to the well this year because I I haven't felt confident enough in the evaluation because they really haven't been tested. But this this will be a good game, and I would not be surprised if they stay within, within 14. Another game that is interesting because I do not understand the spread, Texas versus Oklahoma State. The line is at 6.5. Texas is the favorite over under 60.5. There is some weather potential here for some really, really strong winds. I think it's predicted to be about 22-mile-per-hour crosswinds, which isn't great. But the reason I really struggle to understand this line is because while I have gone to the well with Oklahoma State a couple times this year, they got a banged-up quarterback. That defense isn't what it used to be because Jim Knowles is gone. And Texas, since Quentin Ewers has come back, has been playing with their hair on fire offensively. Robinson's the best back in the country. Quentin Ewers has been able to stretch that that team. And the defense has been quietly playing some of the best football. So I don't understand this game whatsoever in this number. Like, I am already betting Texas, but I'm, I, yeah, I just don't understand this number. <laughs> so when we're talking about Oklahoma State, we're talking about how many sacks can they get against your quarterback? Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be much here. <laughs> so you don't think they're consistently getting like three sacks a game, give or take? I don't sack, think it's right? a con- yeah. I don't think it's a consistent enough program by Oklahoma State's defense whatsoever. Gotcha. Um, and then you have no faith, no faith in Spencer. Oh, I love Spencer. It's not that I don't have faith in him. It's his injury that I have a problem with because we gotcha. saw it in last week. You know, it, it most likely required a shot into his arm, a little pain relief, and he came out with playing fantastic in the first half. I really like him. But then, second half, he died off, and I am assuming that's because that shot started to wear off, and he is dealing with a lot of discomfort in that arm, his throwing arm, and that's going to be a problem if the winds are this heavy for them to really be able to pass the ball. And that's why I don't understand this number. I think maybe they, they think he's going to play and he's going to be fine, and that's why they've got the number at six, um, which might be telling. But I just I have serious concerns about his health. Otherwise, I love I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in college football. It's the reason I bet them last week. Um, they got the backdoor cover against TCU, and I bet him a couple times because I do actually really like him. It's just that injury is, is my – it's the thing that's making me pump the brakes right now in Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State won last year, ladies and gentlemen. They did. This is very true. So that's my evaluation on this game. Alabama-Mississippi State. Lines at 21, over-under 16.5. We've talked extensively about how Alabama has underperformed, but this is the point. In the last seven games that Nick Saban has been coming off a loss, he has covered all seven. When they lose... We all know Alabama practice weeks are hell on earth, and he was not kind to his players in his press conference. This is a game where they could exercise some real demons on a Mississippi team, a Mississippi State team that has had a lot of issues offensively when they've played Alabama in the past under Mike Leach. The number is big, but this game, this could get ugly. Because <laughs> this Alabama team, I think, has a lot of pent-up anger after this past week of uh, dealing with Vic Saban. Yeah, I don't believe in the Bulldogs here. Um, you can't 
expect to beat Alabama, not just off of a loss, but when you lose after going on a great winning streak and then you lose to Kentucky like that, mm-hmm. I, that that's to me that's telling. Secondly, we know, like you just said, Saban isn't going to get embarrassed at at home, right? No, no, not so it's not good. And he's had Mike Leach's number too. Those offenses, he has absolutely suffocated in past yeah. weeks. I don't. I don't think honestly. I don't really think that this game is worth talking. <laughs> no, that's all I had. Is just I I, yeah. I I fear for Mississippi State and the yeah. absolute physical beating they might take here in this game. Yeah, I think if Mississippi State can pick apart Alabama's defense, they'll keep the game close. I don't think they can if, do that though. Is the I, that's what I'm saying. I don't <laughs> think Mississippi State has the personnel to again watch watch the Kentucky game. I don't know if you guys watch the Kentucky game, but watch it. Yeah. If that's the performance that they're going to pull out against Alabama, they, yeah, 21 points sounds right to me. They're going to get smoked. Yep, I'm yeah. with you. Um, all right, one last game before we talk about the big one, in my opinion. Uh, Kansas State TCU, eight o'clock game, lines at three and a half, over under is 54 and a half. This is a game that I have already bet. I do think there's a spot here for the underdog. Once again, we are dealing with potential 22 mile per hour crosswinds. That hurts TCU's ability because this is a team that relies heavily on their passing attack. Kansas State's coming off a bye, they can lean on the running game. Adrian Martinez has had a renaissance since leaving. Scott Frost, go figure. Um, this is a team that is very, very physical, and TCU has had to have a pretty high emotional tolerance here with all the games they have played close of late in this streak they've been going on, and they had game day at Kansas. They went into overtime against Oklahoma State. They're on a great run, but I think this is a spot, and I've already bet Kansas State here, where Kansas State, if the weather holds up and the winds are as bad as they're predicted to be, Kansas State could really take advantage of that opportunity and put a pounding on TCU here physically. This That is exactly my point. Kansas State basically has two backs. They do not need to throw that ball at all to win this game. Martinez will get you 100 rushing yards. Vaughn will get you 100 rushing yards. Yep. Without ever putting the ball in the air. Yep. And if we are limited to the amount of passes thrown that really makes Kansas State, I'm sorry, makes uh, TCU one-sided. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think that like Kansas State has this one. I agree. I bet them on the spread, but I don't hate a money line sprinkle here because I, if the weather holds, I would check the weather report because you know weather can be a fickle thing and it can change yeah. on a dime. But if if the winds are as predicted, I think this is a spot where they could be a money line favorite, underdog favorite here, um, yes. and worth the sprinkle. We've done a lot of agreeing, so I hope for this next game we disagree. All right, let's see where we're at. This, in my opinion, is the game of the week. Pac-12 Nate is out here. I am one of the few people in probably America on the the Midwest, East Coast, wherever. I'm in Cincinnati, but. East Coaster, born and raised, that has had access to the Pac-12 network and watches all these games and bets them heavily and does pretty decently. But we have UCLA heading up to Eugene, Oregon. The line is five and a half. Oregon is the favorite. Over, under is 70 and a half. Chip Kelly is returning to Oregon. I am going to kick it to you first. What are your thoughts on this one? That I love UCLA. 
I don't know if we're going to disagree, but I, I have some points ah, to make. Man. <laughs> man. Oh, I think that you, this is UCLA's shining moment right here to go to Eugene, Oregon, and prove that this year is not a fluke. We got, you got your former Wolverine, right, just running all through the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. No, no regard for anyone's health or safety. Um, and we got Robert Thompson Robinson again. Th- this is why you love a good running back because it allows your quarterback to do what he's supposed to do because of the threat of the run. Thompson Robinson can sit back in that pocket or be a little mobile and just launch the ball. And before you know it, you're down two touchdowns. Yeah, the quarterbacks are definitely the X factors here. Um, DTR's ability to use his legs efficiently and mix that in with the passing game has been absolutely fantastic. I was a year early on UCLA. Last year, I called my shot and I was like, this is the year UCLA comes back on the map. Chip Kelly's got this program in the right direction. If you guys remember listening to the Pac-12 breakdown last season before the season kicked off, I called my shot with UCLA. I was a year early. Um, This is a team that I've been very impressed with, but the same can be said with Oregon. I mean, you got to strip out the Georgia game. Um, new system, new coach. They have bounced back, especially Bo Nix, who has had another guy who has switched. He's gone to an easier conference. I, I, that's not, you know, saying anything controversial. He's playing in an easier conference, but he is a guy who's also had a bit of a renaissance. Bo Nix is being a very efficient quarterback, especially at home. He's continuing the trend. So this is really interesting. The Dan Lenning defense, too, for the Oregon Ducks, I think their issue is their secondary. Yep. Right now, it is a liability for them and their Achilles heel. They are going to, and because of that, he has had to convert more guys to the secondary. He can't play as physical as he wants to be at the point of attack. But because the team UCLA brings in, that is going to be a little bit run heavy. I am very interested to see sort of the game within the game. The Chip Kelly versus Dan Lanning matchup scheme-wise. You have the defensive coordinator, Georgia National Championship defensive coordinator last year, who took over the head coach at Oregon. you got Chip Kelly, an offensive savant especially in college football a guy who dtr is finally playing up to his potential and where we kind of yes. thought he should have been in an offense that is is buzzing and humming and it's got a great tight end room it's got weapons offensively this game within the game is going to be absolutely awesome but because of that i do lean more ucla from a betting perspective i haven't made my decision just yet on on who i'm pulling the trigger on um i'm gonna probably wait to bet this day of so make sure you're following at trophy gets pod on both instagram and twitter to get that pick but right now i am leaning ucla but that game within the game is gonna be a lot of fun yeah and notice like when we talked about this like you brought up oregon's defense we did not bring up ucla's defense yeah. not that it's terrible no. it's just like it's just regular yeah, they've done a good yeah. jobs at times, but there is certainly misses. There's lacks in there's lack uh, or there's lacks in uh, communication at times that fails them, and they they have been pushed around a handful of times. But they've done yeah. they've done a really good job. And that game against Utah was sort of that like mm-hmm. light bulb moment because Utah, we know the reason they've been so successful in the Pac-12 is because they are the team that just punches Pac-12 teams in the mouth. They don't play Pac-12 style football. They play more like a Big Ten team. And that is why they've been so successful. And so for UCLA to go punch for punch with them was very impressive and sort of the light bulb moment of, oh, this team can play a physical style game, which is what Oregon's going to want to try to do, I'm assuming, um, and sort of adjust their defensive scheme, which was very impressive for UCLA. Yeah, and I think both UCLA and USC are proving, minus weather, 
that they will have no problem in the Big Ten. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Which is something I've been saying since they signed. I was like, that's the greatest signing ever. The Big Ten West should be very scared. The Big Ten should just get rid of West and East conferences. Because yeah, they, yes. If, <laughs> if not, it's the reason I think, you know, another reason for Jem Leonard at Wisconsin, because they're going to need elite defenses to compete with these West teams in UCLA and um, USC, USC, who they're bringing into the conference, because it's much different than what they've had to deal with on the West, and you need elite defensive minds around if you're going to keep the West East Conference in the Big Ten, because these two offenses are humming and heading, their future is very bright. All right, anything else on that game before we wrap this up? No, I'm glad it's a bye week, so I don't have to have a heart attack this week. <laughs> this um, is true. Yeah, so we can talk about our next MSU matchup next time, even though we're one and three in the Big Ten. It's a rebuilding. I I started this podcast off saying, "Hey, don't be surprised MSU if it's a rebuild a rebuilding year." Yep, that's fair. Um, I'm gonna give Kansas State as my bet of the week. Um, I'll have some other bets. We talked about some games that I'm looking at betting. I already bet Texas, like I said. I'll put out some more bets. We're we're turning around the ship this week. We did a lot of work in the lab this week. We are turning the ship around. That is what we're doing. But the bet of the week for me is Kansas State. We agreed on a lot this week. We did. That is concerning. Yeah. If uh, my and Tim's track record is horrible when we agree. Let's see how our track record is, because. Tim, who has stepped back from the pod for a little bit, he's had some big, exciting news in his life, but I'll let him disclose that if he he chooses to come back and disclose that. Um, But when we have agreed, me and Tim, it has been horrific. So we're going to get a test of of whether, when we see eye to eye, how that goes. Yeah, we'll see. Well, You know what? I'm feeling good about the card. I am too. I am too. I'm feeling very good. We'll consult later too before I post it. Disclaimer. I know nothing of gambling. I just want you to know that. <laughs> you're my gut check. You're like, all right, hold up, Nate. Like, are you too into the, you're, you're the 50 feet above the forest where I'm like in there digging for truffles. And you're like, wait, hold up, man. There could be a fire. You do joy. the same thing that I do when we were in college uh, basketball season. You're too close to the product. Correct. Yeah. Way too yeah. close, especially in college. I haven't, I, ha- I need to step back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you gotta step back. All righty. All right. Uh, That'll do it for us. As always, peace. Peace.